the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. And we're back at the time, 6.05. We have a whole hour to talk about resolutions being determined, changing our ways. And Marlene was a good example of why that is needed. I want to hear from you. Two lines open, one 367 I think this is a good way to start off our new year uh, as the people of God on this Monday edition of Lifeline. So I've got two lines open, one 888 Three six seven five three two nine. Let me hear from you. Let me go to line number three and talk with Luana in Illinois. Luana, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Pastor. Yeah, thank you for your I patience. Was, What's going on? Well, I was just calling because I uh, I don't get your station here. I don't think I can. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to my sister that lives out there in, in uh, California. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about a subject. Uh, I don't want to get off the subject that you were talking about. But I didn't know what you were talking about when I called. Right. Um, she said that I could ask you any questions. Sure. I, ta- I deal with all kinds of questions. What are you dealing okay, with? Well, okay. I have two questions. Mm-hmm. The first one is I listened to a pastor called Gino Jennings quite mm-hmm. a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, he made the statement that we should keep our head covered at all times because the man is our covering, mm-hmm. which that's something that I've never heard of before in my life. Mm-hmm. I know that the Bible says that uh, we should, uh, every woman that prophet, pray or prophesy with a head uncovered, uh, dishonored her head. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't say that we should, I never read where scripture says that we should continuously keep our head covered. I thought that he, God was saying that, um, our hair was our covering. Mm-hmm. It is not that not that uh, the husband is our covering. I've never heard that before in my life. Right. So now let me explain a little bit contextually what's going on there in First Corinthians eleven. It is talking about covering, and when it does mm-hmm. talk about the hair being a covering, it's only a symbolic covering. What Paul was explaining in First Corinthians eleven around the whole principle of headship. He opens up in first Corinthians chapter 11, speaking about uh, Christ having a head over him being God, the father. So Christ has a head over him. God, the father, Christ is the head over the man and the head is the man is the head over the woman. So this is really about headship for the purpose of remaining in subjection to a chain of commands. Okay. Okay. So that's that's a big issue in our world and a big issue in the church because women are all over the place thinking they can do whatever they want to do, and as a mm-hmm. consequence, they're proving themselves not being subject to God's word, not being subject to the Lord Jesus, not being subject to God the Father. In in many ways, that happens with women, and it doesn't it doesn't start with or end with whether or not you have a hat on. Now you know, Mark. Now you know, Lawana, that long ago. Our people, most of them, not all of them, wore head coverings long ago. You, it's not yes, possible yes. that you can find pictures. You can go online. You're going to find very few of our 
our sisters ever uh, merely operated out of the freedom of their hair being a covering because what the early church often did was took the sign and symbol of a covering more literally than we do today. Okay. Now, that's also because what was going on in that Middle Eastern culture from which the apostles were and the Lord Jesus is that our women always wore veils. They always wore covering in order to distinguish them from the men in order to also affirm two things, that they were that they were already married Mm -hmm. or that they were virgins waiting to be married. And so one can do a very clear study in scripture about the veil, the covering in the Old Testament. Rebecca was espoused to marry Isaac. And as she was going to meet Isaac, she saw that Isaac was about to see her and she put a veil over her head. In other words, she covered herself because she was not ready to be uncovered in his presence. That would have symbolized their unity and their intimacy and their personally knowing each other as if they were married. But the veil was kept on in order for her to be ready to enter into Isaac's mother's house. And so in the Middle Eastern culture, and you see this with Muslims because Muslims now take it to the nth degree with the burqas and everything, wearing a head covering over their head, largely to make sure that men do not believe that they're available, that men do not do not see them as women that are uh, uncalled, uncovered, unspoken for. Um, and, and as such, in the first century of the... Um, uh, Roman Empire, uh, particularly in Corinth, uh, prostitutes would uh, practice uh, wear, not wearing a covering to, as it were, uh, attract men and women into sexual liaisons. And many of those women uh, would enter into the church. And as a consequence, there would be women in the church that were wearing coverings because it was culturally appropriate to signify that I'm either spoken for or I'm a virgin. But then there would be women who would not wear a covering. And when Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 11, if you're not going to wear a covering, to distinguish yourself from the harlots on the street and to distinguish yourselves as being married, then cut your hair off because it is a shame for you not to have some kind of covering over your head. However, and when Paul moved to the natural distinction between the men and the women by saying women have longer hair than men, their hair is their covering. That's a different Greek word there than the word for covering where it says the men is the covering of the woman. But that's in order to teach us that nature shows that there's a subordination relationship within the framework of men and women, that God allows women to look more beautifully adorned with longer hair than men do. And as a consequence, it shows that they have a covering that signifies that they are uniquely and specifically God's creation, God's image bearers, God's glory as well, but distinct from the man. So just like today, you know, I mean, it's all right if you cut your hair short uh, today, but you got to explain yourself because, you know, our women are often uh, exhibiting dykish and butchers behaviors when they cut their hair short. You know that, right? Right, right. Right. And so what we would say is uh, churches that are, 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 are seeking to honor Christ don't want to do anything that would confound or confuse the message of the gospel that there is a distinction between male and female. He made them in his image. Male and female created he them in the image of God created he him. So we don't want to conflate 
our gender by saying it doesn't matter whether I have a covering or not. Yes, it does matter that you have a covering, just like it matters that a man has a covering, just like it matters that Christ had a covering if we're going to be God's people. But we do not today in our present generation practice literal head covering because we are much clearer on the difference between a cultural practice and a deeper spiritual reality. And I want to say it like this uh, before we move to our, our second question. Here's what I want to say, and I want to say this to all the ladies out there. If you practice head covering by putting a little white white napkin on your head or putting a scarf on your head or as some of our women in our church have often done by the big ornate hatch, you know that that was what was going on in the back of the day. So that all, the, all that process metamorphed. It, it did. And then ultimately they stopped wearing them. Here's the real issue. If you have a husband and Luana, do you have a husband? No, I'm divorced. Okay, okay, so you don't have a husband at present. If you had a husband and you guys were worshiping together, the the way that you would symbolize respect for him being your covering is for you to lovingly submit to him. That's fine. Now watch but this. What do you, now now what watch do you mean? It's, okay, go ahead. So I'm, go what ahead. I'm teaching is the more important thing around, about 1 Corinthians uh, 11 is not what you wear on your head or how long uh-huh. your hair is, but if the heart is right in the matters of a relationship between a man and a woman and therefore Christ and the church. If the heart is right, then submission is going to be there. There can be a lot of women wearing all kind of hats and their hearts are not right with God nor their husbands. And at that That's point, right. and at that point, it's a sham. Right. And that's why I'm pretty we don't wear hat, we don't force our women to do any kind of external dressing in order to appear righteous at grace, because we know that this is really a matter of the heart. The hidden men of the heart, as Peter tells women in first Peter, chapter three, let it be the hidden men of the heart, uh, a meek and quiet spirit. A woman that is under control by the spirit of God is not going to be cantankerous, contentious, fighting, arguing, you know, uh, uselessly or aimlessly with a good man. Now, I mean, you might have to do that with a bad man, okay? But a, <laughs> but a good man, you're not going to do that with because you're going to love him for Christ's sake. And he's going to love you double back for Christ's That's sake right. because a good woman that knows how to love her husband and walk in submission is more precious than all the gold and silver in the universe. Now, I'm going to say one more word about Geno uh, Jennings. I don't particularly care for uh, his preaching because I don't think he's sound enough in the faith in the proclamation of the gospel. I think he's a little bit legalistic and sometimes uh, arrogant and sometimes self-righteous relative to, uh, I know you, I know you get it, but uh, you know, I pray for him because he's doing some good things around, you know, telling people what's wrong, but you can't just tell people what's wrong. You got to tell people what's right. And what's right is our need for a total grace experience by the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's got to be grace oriented. Law will never, ever be accepted with God. It might be accepted with men, but it won't be accepted with God. So be careful that you don't get drawn all the way into that brother. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. That's why I I had to, my sister said, well, why don't you call? I said, I've heard of Jessica Stanton. I've listened to you before yeah, on yeah, YouTube. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? You know, Gino, he need to, um, uh, I don't like to talk about a person, but. And that's why we're going to, hold on, hold on. Because I, I don't have a whole lot of time. I would love to talk okay. to you, but I don't have a, okay. we're going to leave it right there. I know you got discernment. Okay. So what's question number two? Okay. Question number two. If I, I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. So if I get married again 
and my husband is not dead, mm-hmm. am I going to hell? No, that's not what the book says. The book doesn't say that. Now, here's what the book says. See, that might be Gino again, but that's unfortunate if, G- if Gino's doing that. He, he ought to know that there are, um, uh, there are valid contentions around how to interpret 1 Corinthians 7, Matthew 19, Matthew 9, and, and Mark 10. Yes. Uh, there are valid contentions around how, how to interpret that. Now, uh, there is only one sin that we can commit that will send us to hell. And that is the unpardonable sin of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Right. Okay, that's Matthew 12. Let everybody listening to me go hallelujah. Because, listen, hallelujah. The, the, the death of Christ on the cross uh, was not so frivolous that any little sin could undo what he did on the cross for us. Having said that, this is how I've always set forth this dilemma of divorce. Every divorce that is engaged in, apart from the fact that your spouse committed fornication or adultery against you, is a sinful divorce. Okay. And it's a sinful divorce, but it may have been a necessary divorce. Let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. I see three acceptable um, principles by which I would dissolve a marriage with a woman or a man with a woman. I would Mm -hmm. dissolve a marriage if my wife is committing adultery. Mm-hmm. I would dissolve a marriage if my wife is addicted to drugs and it's endangering my life and her life. Okay. And I would dissolve a marriage if my wife's wife is abusive. I call these the triple A's. Mm-hmm. And I do that because marriage is not to be a relationship of abuse. Right. It's not to be a relationship of adultery. And it's not to be a relationship of addiction because addiction is adultery. If I am strung out on alcohol, I strung out on drugs. That's my wife, not my wife. That's right. And and all that kills the real substance of marriage. And marriage is not signing on the dotted line and saying, okay, till death do us part. Marriage is, I love you, you love me, and love works no ill towards his neighbor. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is long-suffering. Love bears all things, hopes all things, believeth all things. Love does a lot of things as the premise of a marriage by which we are striving to work together to be better, not tear each other apart. So a lot of times divorce has taken place in the spirit way before we finally said, you know what? I got to go before he kills me or I kill him. Right. Do you agree with that? I agree wholeheartedly with that. Now, let me just yes, say the last part and then I got to go. Um, uh, remarriage needs to be taken up very carefully, slowly, and uh, and prayerfully because mm-hmm. too many times we are rebounding and uh, we're bringing the same garbage from the first marriage into the second marriage. Mm-hmm. You probably need a bunch more counsel around that to make sure that you're free and clear to go. Uh, but, 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 but girlfriend, um, yeah. um, you really want to think about whether or not you want to get back on that saddle again. Okay. Okay. Because if, if God is giving you the gift to be able to love him and enjoy him and walk with Jesus, you have to deal with the headache. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I, I don't have a problem. I, I don't have a problem with submitting to my husband, but I, when I get married, when I got married, I thought it was to death to a part. Of course, but everybody thought that. So you know what? My time is up for now. I got to take a heartbreak. I got that. We didn't ever know what nobody goes in saying I'm going to get out as soon as he, he, right. he get on my last nerve. But we're human. Right. Listen, we're human. And God is gracious. Make sure if you turn that corner to do it again that you are making sure all of the lights are green. 
And if you need to, you can call me later and we can talk about it. Bless you, girl. I got to take a break. Way overdue. Three lines open. 1-888-367-5329. I love being married, too. It's the hardest thing in the world. But it's wonderful as well. But I tell you, both parties have to humble themselves. Because a good marriage is a lot of work. Three lines open, one 329 We're going to pay some bills, and we'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, 624, we've got a good 30 minutes to go. Two lines wide open, one 329 I will take your calls. I will help you see the value and the benefit of resolutions and why changing is a um, part and parcel of our uh, transformational calling, being new creatures in Christ. We are organic. We must grow, develop, mature, change, modify, bear fruit, and uh, and, and be pr- productive for the glory of God. That's all called change. Where that's not happening, we want to focus in on it. Two lines open, one 888 By the way, change is the consequence of grace. It is also the consequence of uh, cooperation. It is God working in you the will and to do of his good pleasure. But it is also you responding to that grace as a consequence of your union with Christ. It is you being available for God to actually manifest his glory through you. Um, and we therefore want to receive the grace of God, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, not in vain. Not in vain. Two lines open. Let's talk. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let me go to line number uh, two and talk with. I'm sorry. One, uh, one with Dan, brother Dan, brother Dan from Sonoma. Dan, are you there? Yes, I have a couple things to say to you, brother. First, um, first of all, happy New Year. Thank you, thank you, and happy New Year to you. Absolutely. Um, What's going on? Yeah. I realize that a lot of the substance of your callers come from, a lot of them have it together when they call you, you know, and uh, I realize that that is legitimate. But I want to kind of talk to you about coming from a dark place. Yes, sir. Let's talk dark. Let's talk dark. Because dark is, dark is just as important as light because God made them both in order to manifest his ability to distinguish and also to heal. So let's talk dark, Brother Dan, because I know something about darkness, too. Uh, I was... Uh, invited up to a uh, training seminar in Sacramento for about seven weeks when I was 16, and I I was employed at a library for the blind at the time. If you looked at my job history, it's very skimpy because I I worked at the Center of the Junior College in 98 and 99, uh, working on some computer stuff there, and uh, I was at a pottery shop while I was in high school for a training program they called CETA, C-T-E-A. I was part of that. Uh, yeah, I did that uh, while I was in high school, and then I went over to uh, teach at the Royal Baum Center uh, of the Blind uh, in 2000, 2002, mm-hmm. when uh, the budget got hung up in the state of California. In mm-hmm. December, I left the employment because I waited a couple months for my paycheck. Right. But uh, it's really hard. I find myself wondering sometimes who I am. You know, you I know do. who you are in Christ, but... I'm trying to take, you know, when it talks about the talents right. in one of the chapters, and then when Jesus talked about the pounds, yep. <clears throat> and he talked about making, you know, uh, doubling and tripling your effort, or did yep. you come back with two pounds or ten pounds? And, and I said, you know, uh, 
I want to exercise. If I can sing, if I can play the guitar, if I can do something, learn how to do it better. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I find that that starts to uh, boil over into my relationships with other people mm-hmm. because I'm uh, dealing with a. You got to find your self-esteem in Christ mm-hmm. because Christ was thought that uh, we were all worthwhile to uh, redeem our sins by uh, dying on the cross and rising from the dead. He was scourged, and he, he taught a lot while he was on earth. Yep. You know, you read about his three-and-a-half-year ministry. Yep. But uh, where does that go? And by the way, I want to mention about Luana's sister. I'm listening to Lifeline on my cell phone. You can use the computer or the Internet, and if somebody's in Missouri or New Jersey, they can listen over, you know, a cell phone or over, uh, they don't have to use the radio. They could use a, a, a PC. If sure, they to. sure. It's, 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 um, that's all available. Most people know how to do that. And, uh, so she, she should know. And, uh, but, uh, one of my good, good friends is, uh, was born about three months premature. Mm-hmm. And when you try to talk to her, she likes to hang on to a topic and, and beat it to death before we get resolution. She'll understand me, mm-hmm. but then she wants to question it and talk to me for two or three hours before she's clear on what I mean and I'm clear on what she means. And sometimes that can create a little bit of a controversy before we get it settled. Of course. And and I was asking myself, why do I lose my temper with her? And I think what I just addressed is probably part of it. That I'm saying, look, I've been knocking myself out. I, I, 12 years from from first grade up through high school. I'm 17 years old. I get out of high school, and I say, I'm going to knock on every door in the city until I get employment, and my mom got a commitment out of me that I'm going to go to college. So I go to college for 14 years. I'm back and forth at university. My dad gets sick, and I finally get my degree in 94. And it's 14 years later now, and I'm saying, okay, what did I do since 14 years I got out of the school? What did I do? What, what am I going to tell people that I do? You know, if somebody says, hey, what, what are you up to? Mm-hmm. You know, well, I'm riding the bus back and forth. My mom is ill. I'm taking care of my mom. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm studying, uh, you know, theology and uh, church practical dynamics on the computer. You know, sometimes I'm reading down music and stuff like this. And, you know, if I sit there and, and tell God, this is what I've done with what you gave me. And I haven't done half of what. I could have done with God put in my lap. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of things that God would have backed it up if I would have done it properly. I'm looking at a lot of bad decisions I made over the year, a lot of really crummy decisions. And I'm saying to myself, who's going to make this work? Mm-hmm. It's my Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ is going to make it work. Sure isn't me. Right. It sure isn't me. Right. <clears throat> uh, if I'm, people say, you need more self-confidence. You need be less self-conscious. We have greater self-esteem. I know all these arrogant, rich people that have lots of self-esteem. What are they contributing right. to our society? Right. Now, here's what I would say, Dan, um, when I think about your situation, and, and, and your situation is very common to many people with whom I engage largely in counsel around um, where am I at in my life? What is my identity concretely uh, beyond who I am in Christ so that I am able to 
pinpoint the practical areas in my life. I, I want to feel like I'm doing something worthwhile, and I'm hearing that from you. What I would say is that you would probably want to sit down with somebody or engage somebody at length around um, revisiting your history to help put together a composite that would bring about a little bit more clarity on who Dan is, what Dan is actually doing that in the larger redemptive scheme is valuable, and how Dan can actually uh, put together um, a, a clear and concise assessment of your present gifts that either are operating or could operate for God's glory. This is a humbling process, but I'm glad you called because I would want to encourage you to make that part of a resolution for you this year. Resolution meaning being resolved and determined to become clearer on who I am, where I am, and what I'm doing for God's glory. That's absolutely essential for all of us because the counseling office as Dan can just be packed with people who say, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't see any value in what I'm going through. And a lot of that is a consequence of this. Please hear me now when I say this. Uh, I, I really enjoy you, and I've been glad to have you as a, a, a radio friend for many years because you are a bright man. And uh, and you just you just add quality to my community of brothers and sisters on the radio. So I'm glad when you call um, what what needs to occur um, is some outside assessment that is substantive enough from an experiential level and maybe also from a professional level to help you define areas that are obviously there in your life that become uh, uh, become uh, muddy and um, opaque and difficult to see when you are in the middle of a an emotional and psychological uh, and and as, and as well a spiritual kind of um, Fogginess, and we all get there, particularly at different ages in our life and stages in our life. We will go foggy, and when we go foggy, you need outside help, like a coach who can see the field better than you. He know you you're advancing up and down the field, but he knows also that you kind of are struggling with having a sense of knowing where you are in in that progression. And that's where we uh, we would adhere to the principle of the proverb: out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. That's the way you do it. And I sense that you probably need uh, some some uh, sound, godly, biblical counseling to help you put together a more concrete composite. And I would be more than willing to, uh, to talk with you at that level offline. If you want to email me so we can begin to dialogue email-wise and then maybe have a conversation for an hour or so, Dan, we can begin to work on that for you this year because I do sense some levels of frustration that I didn't sense in the past, but that's because we're human. And I love the fact that you are coming up on a, a sort of a, uh, a precipice that's telling you to stop for a moment and stop going through the motions uh, and get some clarity so that you can operate out of some direction this year in the, in the year 2019, man, I'm so glad that you were honest about that because you're speaking for a bunch of people, brother. Well, thank you. You know, and uh, I just wanted to add that to the while this was happening, and uh, you could go from there. But um, uh, thank you very much. So yeah, no, you do you know you can get a hold of me, right? Yeah, well, you everybody should be writing over to gbc at flash dot net. 
So, uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much. Let's get at it, bro. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right. So look, do I, I think I'm on. I'm on break now, right? I gotta take a break. Sally, you hold on. Jen, you hold on. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. The time is six thirty eight on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'm gonna go to the phone lines here in a moment. I've got one line open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to call in and be vulnerable about your uh, struggle. Uh, and you want to talk about resolution. Uh, I thought on my ways. I turned my feet unto your testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep your commandments. That's that's what grace will do. In that series that I taught in our DOG, and you can go online and get it at grace-bible.com, uh, the women's theology class, um, Daughters of Grace, DOG, I taught on, on, on grace being a supplement to help us do what we cannot do without that supplement. And one of the areas I talked about was resetting. And I talked about how we get stuck and don't believe that we can reset. And a lot of people avoid resolutions because they don't believe they can reset. Resetting is humbling. It's just humbling. But reset is God's mercy in the context of forgiveness for us to both cover and to remove sinful traps. That is patterns and behaviors that actually affect our fellowship with God and affect our witness to the world and affect our impact in terms of uh, God's gifting in our life. We Grace allows us to reset. It's a, it's a radical concept to be able to go, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with that and move forward in the grace of God. But it's essential. Sometimes things have to be left behind. Some things, things, sometimes things have to be dropped. Sometimes things have to be abandoned. If I'm going to move forward in the in the things of God and you know it deep down in your soul, sometimes resetting requires reflecting, going back, uh, establishing points, critical points in our lives where we were wounded, where we were inflicted with with um, outside sources and outside assaults that that actually weakened us and and, and destabilized us and and caused us to become now a kind of um, invalid spiritually. We have to be able to look at that and recognize that they got us this time. And yet in the name of Jesus Christ, be able to overcome that by the power of the spirit of God and by the word of God and by the supply of the spirit of grace that works in our lives to help us to overcome uh, all things. And you have to believe in that. You have to believe in God gets glory out of you calling upon his name in the time of trouble so that he can deliver you and you glorify him. And that's what reset is about. Otherwise, the life is mundane, scares me to death. God have mercy on me, scares me to death that we could live as redeemed people of God, do you understand that you are a walking miracle, that you are a supernatural, paradoxical, oxymoronic thing in this world, like a burning bush when you're born again? Do you realize what you are in Christ and what Christ is in you? Do you get that? And how that that's designed to actually bless people? But how are we going to go for years, years, not blessing somebody? You, the epitome of what it means to be a believer is to be gifted. Charisma is the term. Charis, you are gifted. God gave you something to give to somebody else for God's glory. It's not that you don't have something. He placed you in the way so he could work through you to shine for himself and to bring poor sinners in need to his uh, kingdom through you and me. And it doesn't require you. Maybe your gift is simply the gift of a word. We call it the uh, gift of exhortation. 
the gift of consolation. Maybe it's the gift of singing. Maybe, maybe it's the gift of prayer. Maybe it's the gift of counsel. Maybe it's the, just the gift of presence and, and being able to uh, console people by a, a proper facial expression. Maybe it's the gift of proclamation as it is mine. There's all kind of gifts we got to work through. This is part of the stewardship series I'm dealing with. You guys are going to hear it. Uh, but we do have to labor to find it because we can be encumbered by all kinds of junk in our head. And, and, and that's, that's why I'm praying that the Lord deliver me from worldliness. Because worldliness will just cloud your head and just cause you to be wrapped up in the syndrome that our master said. No man can serve two masters. You're going to love the one, hate the other. You can't love Jesus and love this world and be productive for Christ. That's John chapter 12, verse 24. Except a seed go into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it goes into the ground and die, it will bring forth much fruit. I've got to die to this world system in order for Christ to manifest his glory in my life. I know that. You do too. Line number two, let me talk with my dear friend Sally. Sally, how are you? Good. What's your question, comment, or observation today, my dear sir? By the way, uh, Happy New Year. And God bless your guide. Your maybe may you go with God and not to traffic this amen, year. Amen, amen, amen. I'll let me go. I I stuck my foot in it. Okay. I don't often do that. I usually am naive enough to get along with practically everybody. <laughs> but uh, two ladies came to our church when we had a new pastor because they wanted to try something new. Right. And one of them uh, I'm still in contact with, but she couldn't handle our church, right. and I could understand <clears throat> why. Right. The other one, we had great fellowship. I thought we were doing really, really good. And uh, she had to be off uh, for surgery and rehab. And so I called her one day. uh, I don't know whether it was just before Christmas or after. And we were talking, and I said, uh, were your ancestors slaves? Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. That was now, you know, to me, I think anybody that had come to the position where she was, she had had a very good life in a service. She had uh, she had uh, retired. Right. She was able to have her own home. She was doing, I mean, I was, I, I just thought she was doing real, real well. And she was offended because I asked her, were your ancestors slaves? To my mind, if anybody had done as well as she had, and she had been in a family that loved God and and saw that they uh, knew what it was to be saved and had Sunday school and and whatnot. Yes. By the way, that young man, I wonder whether he had a a nuclear family. I bet he didn't. It's possible. Let's stay on point. Well, so she did have a nuclear family, and she, she had to learn to work a lot harder than I ever did. Right. So what do I do now? Okay. So a couple of things occurred here. The relationship that you had with this um, African-American sister wasn't long enough and deep enough for you to actually go there without um, establishing permission to do so. That's the basic faux pas that you committed. And we can all do that when we are kind of operating out of a set of assumptions based upon empirical evidence. Somewhat I, naive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I thank you for being honest. I love this. This, is, this, this. this particular program will be a blessing to a lot of people because, Sally, I, we all stick our, 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 our foot in our mouth when we are naive and therefore actually 
unaware of or are insensitive to the larger possibilities of offense that can come with a question like that. For instance, um, depending on where she was or is in terms of the larger social context presently taking place in terms of global dialogue around race and discrimination and the historical conflicts uh, between uh, African-Americans and their white counterparts with regards to slavery, which is uh, dredged up and used as a um, point of conflict uh, with Americans all the time. If she were somehow still being in influenced by that narrative out there and not settled and rooted and grounded in the reality that you have to make a difference, a distinction between the social narrative out there that is relevant in terms of the larger historic issues and the political struggles behind it and personal relationships with people. In other words, um, Sally, you don't represent for me, Pastor Jesse, um, all Caucasian people, and therefore you you are irrelevant as a person ultimately. And I, if you don't, if I don't have the right to basically filter my angst uh, around my experiences with white people through you, then we can't have a relationship. I don't hold that value system, and no believer should. The problem is, is that sometimes uh, unconsciously or unwittingly we do. And and depending on how old my sister is relative to you, she could have been harboring and holding on to past experiences that maintain levels of um, of sensitivity and woundedness that uh, were um, instigated upon your query. Your query in its own right did not have any offensible language to it. I can say positively, yes, if you were to ask me, were your ancestors slave? Absolutely. Going just back two generations, my great grandmama. Uh, and it doesn't offend me because those are historical facts and neither do those historical facts actually impede or impact or determine or define my relationship with Sally because I know the difference between two persons individually in the context of friendship uh, and the larger historical context in which we both live, which has so many variables uh, in that larger social narrative that it really... uh, it really behooves me to make sure that I don't blend them into the importance of the relationship that I have with you. But we don't all have that kind of uh, frame of reference or what I would call value system in relationships. And then we look up and go, whoa, they were wounded. The only thing you can do is is hope that that sister recovers from that and is willing to accept the fact that you are uh, are confessing that you stuck your foot in your mouth, and then we can put it in reverse. We can reset it and then approach it from a a different angle. This would be a lesson for you, however, around just uh, even as um, sage and as mature and old as Sally is now in her her graced uh, position before God. um, Lord, help me to watch my mouth uh, in situations with people that I care about so that it does not end up creating uh, the offense that can lose that relationship. We all have to be uh, ready to pray for that. Okay. Okay, that's all. That's all. Don't, and don't well, beat your help. Pray, I'm praying for her, and I, I, uh, I miss her, uh, her input yep. because, uh, you know, obviously she's fought for the position that she's been in really, that's right. really hard. That's right. Don't beat yourself over the head, okay? Good. All right, bless you. Reset, Sally. I got to go. I'll be right back. 
And now back to Lifeline. The time 652 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number three and talk with Jan in Oakland. Jan, are you there? I am. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing uh, pretty well, Pastor. Pretty well. Good, good. We've very, uh, very, very good to talk with you. What you want to talk about, my friend? Well, I've come under spiritual attack in a way I never have. Mm-hmm. And I think it may be a result of some examination of my past, which has revealed truths about me that have unsettled me. Mm-hmm. And I, in part, related to um, the DOG, yeah. class, which I watch, have committed to reset. Yeah. I really appreciated that that class very much. Mm-hmm. And resetting is something I understand that actually I've been doing for a number of years mm-hmm. uh, and probably will continue to do. Mm-hmm. But I experienced something uh, in particular in the last couple of days that were literally attacks that were very strange. Uh, it was like, I hate to say this, but voices. Sure. In my head, screaming at me that I could not do what I'm attempting to do, what I'm trying to do, what I'm praying to do. And I just cried out to the Lord and continue to cry out to him. But I've never experienced it at that level before. Mm-hmm. But then it's possible that I may have not thought about resetting in the way that I am now before. Right. So anyway, I just wanted your 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 insight and your wisdom. Uh, okay, let me get at it. A little bit I've shared. Sure, let me get at it for a minute. Uh, this part I love because it's the real deal. Like my brother Dan that called and talked about the dark places in his own heart. Did you hear that? No, I, I miss that. Okay, yeah. No, Brother Dan is my uh, blind brother from Sonoma who was uh, a sage uh, thinker, clear-headed, clear-headed thinker, and for many years has called the program with, with, with precise questions and comments and observations and been a real blessing to us all. He's presently going through a real battle right now with his own identity, his purpose, calling, and what he's about. You and I have talked about this before, as well, I have yeah. spoken with many people around this particular opaque, cloudy, uh, nebulous realm that brings us into levels of insecurity about where we are, who we are, and what we're called to do. <clears throat> that really does require some some objective analysis, uh, if you will, uh, lifelines to be tossed into that darkness to help us walk out of it uh, with with some with some clearer thinking, more concrete principles by which we can actually anchor our soul in. Uh, when it comes to what you're talking about right now, which is a, a, another discourse for another time. Uh, I, let me first of all say this, what you're going through, a lot of people are going through what you're going through right now, including the one talking to you relative to the fierce attack of darkness, of uh, of oppression on a spiritual level and attack on a spiritual level. Just letting you know that because this is the season for it. We are in a place where 
turnaround, resetting, recovering, and moving forward, progressing, advancing, uh, is not to happen on the part of the enemy's agenda, particularly with the people of God. The people of God uh, on the part of the enemy's agenda is to be stuck. The people of God on the part of the enemy's agenda is to be effete, to be weak, to be powerless, to be fruitless, to be unproductive, to be superficial, to be carnal, to be fleshly, to be mere hypocritical churchgoers, to be uh, unimpactful in our culture. That's the goal of the adversary for the people of God in this in this in this time. And and a lot of the people of God are stuck in those those traps right there. And when there is an exhortation that moves in a direction to bless you up out of it, and your soul begins to uh, roar with the, the triumph of grace to begin the process of resetting. Hell breaks loose both in outward events that take on physiological impact that will manifest itself in different forms. If not major levels of depression, then it can take on forms such as the coalition of audible voices screaming at you, trying to... um, to 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 discombobulate your resolve and get you to be distracted by a conscience that has not quite submitted itself to the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is a battle that goes on in the conscience. Another conversation, but we have to know how to mm. cleanse our conscience by the blood of Christ, so that the accusations that rise up from things we've done in the past do not impede our confidence to move out in the future by the grace of God. The spiritual battle, so it requires prayer. Sometimes when you you don't have the ability to do it yourself. You got to go head on and hold somebody's hand, two or three or four or five. This is what prayer is all about. And this is why the issue of confession that leads to healing, which is part of our DOG conversation as well, larger church, is something that people will not experience until they humble themselves and say, hey, hey, I'm going through something that's greater than I can handle normally. Would you would you join me in prayer about overcoming this particular evil? Because I am resolved to follow Jesus. Amen. All right. So so you know what to employ. You know what to employ. That means sometimes getting back to prayer service and, and other things like yeah. that. And we'll leave that with you because my time is up. Love you, bro. Okay. Brother Hassan, you're going to have to call me back next week, man. Um, because we're up against the time. We had a good show today. Glad to be back at the helm for the minute on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Listen, listen, we are in a spiritual battle. I know it, Um, you know, because I'm part of the body too. And I know we're all uh, right now kind of weak. But I am praying that God will make all grace abound. That whatever you put your hand to do, according to the will of God and by the grace of God, you, you will be able to do it way beyond your human capacity so that God will be glorified and Christ exalted it and men and women redeemed by you and the grace of God working in you. Until next time, God bless you. Keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.